Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to Unrestricted. I'm your host, Ben Lieber. I hope everybody had a wonderful week. My special guest this week is uh, a Minnesota icon already. He's a sports icon, but I think on a personal level, he's a Minnesota icon. He's eight-year NFL wide receiver, Adam Thielen. Adam has an incredible journey. If you paid attention to Adam or his football career or just the NFL, you've, I'm sure you've heard the story by now, but he grew up in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. He went to Minnesota State, Mankato to play college football, and then was just given a tryout with the Minnesota Vikings. Wasn't drafted, wasn't drafted in the NFL, just given a tryout to make the team, and he just kept making every single cut. And eventually, he's become an All-Pro, was a second-team All-Pro back in 2017, has made the NFL Pro Bowl twice, and has become really the face, one of the faces of the Minnesota Vikings, and really one of the good guys in the NFL. And on this particular podcast, I think you're going to find him, you know, extremely refreshing just to his outlook on life, you know, how he kind of carries that chip on the shoulder. And then more specifically and more present and more topical is sort of how he's been asked to help out finding a new head coach, a new GM with the Minnesota Vikings. And the sit down that he had with Mark and Ziggy Wilf and the ownership group there with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, he's very open about all of that. He talks about what he thinks is the best fit for the Minnesota Vikings, his thoughts on Mike Zimmer uh, and what Mike Zimmer's eight years in the, with the organization was like, and just kind of how he had a general feel for the culture within those walls there with the Minnesota Vikings. So um, it's a, there's a lot of great stuff in this podcast. I think you're going to find him uh, just outstanding as always, if you've ever heard him on an interview. And um, he's getting healthy. I think that's the number one thing. He left the season with an ankle injury, had surgery, and is now on the mend, and he has a great outlook and prognosis for when he's going to get back 100% and back on the field. So without further ado, here is all-pro wide receiver Adam Thielen right here on Unrestricted. What's up, Adam? How are you, man? Great. Can't complain. Yeah. How, how are things? Let's, let's talk about like, obviously your health. Um, how are you feeling? Obviously you ended the season, not the way you wanted to, but, um, and I know that, you know, to start this podcast, you're doing some rehab and everything. So what's the, what's the progress? How's everything going? Yeah, for sure. Definitely different. Um, I've had a few off seasons where I've had, you know, surgery. I had a shoulder surgery. I think my second year in the NFL after my second season and that was a long, difficult recovery and, you know, couldn't train the way that I wanted to, um, you know, this haven't been, it's been a while since I've had an off season where I've started it, you know, injured. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's actually been really good. I'm, I'm blessed that it wasn't something that was worse or more intrusive surgery. It was pretty, um, it's a pretty easy surgery as far as surgeries go. So I'm back walking again, which is awesome to be able to walk around the house again and, play with the kids and do all that. Um, not able to golf yet, which is usually my off season, off season passion. Um, but yeah, doing the rehab thing. And I think I'll be full go here in a few weeks. So um, I actually didn't dive too far into the off season, which for me, and as you know, like how important the off season is, especially now I'm getting older to, to be able to train and, and to really try to make some progression as far as an athlete perspective of, becoming a better athlete, becoming a better football player. So I'm excited about that. Just being able to not being able to do upper body lifts and, and stay in shape a little bit. Um, haven't been able to run. So obviously I'm a little out of shape as far as 
as far as that goes. But, um, but I've been able to lift and, and, you know, it's, as an athlete, it's hard to like sit on the couch for two weeks, like I had to do, but excited to get up and move around now. But you know, let's be honest. I don't know how you are. And I know that you, like you said, you've dealt with some surgeries and some injuries at the end of season, but come on, man, you were going to afford yourself some, some fat time anyway, right? Like at the end of every season, it's just so nice to be like, you know what? I'm not going to the gym. I'm not making those tough decisions when it comes to food. I'm just going to relax for about three or four weeks and just be normal. Weren't you going to do that anyway? So I'm really weird when it comes to that stuff. I know it sounds so ridiculous and my teammates always, uh, you know, think it's crazy, but uh, I get about two days into doing that. Usually like, let's say, let's say it was a, you know, healthy season. I get to the end of the season. It's like, I usually get like two days in and I'm like calling my uh, trainer, you know, my business partner at ETS, Ryan, I'm, I'm calling him like, Hey, like, let's put a plan together. Let's go to work. And, uh, and like same thing with like eating, like I'll, I'll have like two, like, I can't wait to the end of the season. I always like think like halfway through something, I can't wait to like eat whatever I want to eat and, you know, have some ice cream and do all this stuff. And, and then I get like two days into it. I'm like, all right, I feel like a slob. Like I need to go work out. I need to start eating good. But, um, especially with surgery, I've actually haven't, um, um, been eating bad at all. I've been actually eating really good and taking care of my body and, and things like that. Just cause I'm like, well, I'm sitting here. I can't work out. So I might as well eat good, but uh, I'm kind of weird with that, man, especially right now. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, get better um, these last few years of my career. I don't know how long I'm going to play. And, and, and I, I always kind of say, you know, at this point, like I might as well wait till I'm done playing to kind of, to be able to let it loose a little bit. Yeah. And I would say that from a, from a guy that's, you know, well beyond the transition period, you know, it's crazy for me that I've been out of football now, as long as I've played. Um, it's, it's a weird thing, a weird perspective to look at from you as a current player because you're, you're in it and you don't have the perspective of being out of it and how, how much that changes the way you, you, you look at your current situation. But I would say if you feel like you've got, I don't know, let's say four or five years left. Let's just say four or five years left and then you're done. It's actually not that long. You know, you, right. you, you get this idea in your head of like, man, I can't wait to do this when I'm done and I'm whatever, like, just keep grinding. Like, it's not, you'll, you'll be refreshed and you'll be a, a couple months out of the league when you finally retire. And you're like, that wasn't that bad. Like, why, why did I, you know, why didn't I push a little harder? I would say just keep what you keep doing what you're doing, keep grinding because the grind sometimes feels like a grind at the time, but it's really not. It really, you know, it really isn't, you know? I, I, I always look at it like I have two separate grinds. I have the off-season grind of like training and eating super clean and, and, and taking care of my body and, and trying to, you know, try to heal up and, and do all that and trying to get to 100%. Um, and then my other grind is like the season, like the grind of the season. So it's like it's kind of like refreshing to switch to the off-season mode because yeah. now it's a different type of grind. And it's like, it's like well, I, I actually have energy because it's a different type of you know, I'm not, I'm not practicing football every day. I'm, I'm actually just like lifting and, um, you know, taking care of my body and I'm, uh, and I'm starting and then I'll kind of work into more of the football stuff. But, um, right now it's like, I'm becoming a better athlete rather than like completely focusing on the sport of football. So it's kind of refreshing. No, I'm with you. I, I think that we're, we're kind of geared the same way a little bit. And, and thankfully 
it was formidable and life-changing for me to be drafted by the San Diego Chargers at the time because they in Southern California take health and wellness way more seriously. And I think they're way far advanced at the time than we were in the Midwest. And so when I got there, a lot of guys, that, that was their approach to life, you know, not just their football life, but that's their approach to life. And it's like, holy cow, like what a competitive advantage to learn about nutrition and wellness and like how to take your body and how to get rid of inflammation and stuff like that. So that was it for me. But when did you make that decision? And when did you have that sort of enlightenment with, with the way that you treat your body and all the things that you put inside your body to produce on the field? Yeah, I think it gets better uh, the older I get. Um, and then, you know, the more people I have around me that I can, that really, I really trust and, um, and, and really give me a lot of guidance. Cause I'm not, I'm not smart in that area, you know, like that's not my expertise. So uh, I got great people around me to really guide me in that area. Um, but it probably honestly started when I was training for the NFL, because at the point, I mean, everybody knows, you know, whatever I went to Mankato and walk, right. yeah. everybody knows that story. But um, when I, when I transitioned to trying to make the NFL, I knew that it was such a long shot at that point that I said, you know what, I'm going to give it everything I have and I'm going to do everything. So I don't have to look back and be like, man, well, I wish I would have ate better. I wish I would have trained harder. So like, I literally like, I didn't drink. I didn't eat anything bad. Like I remember like, and I was on a college budget. So I was eating like, you know, I was eating like the, the cartoned eggs and like just just pouring them in shakes and having milkshakes or not milkshakes, but protein shakes and um, just ate super clean and trained super hard and the right way. That's when I met Ryan at ETS and, and really, you know, he, he was a huge person and resource to have in my life. And then, you know, things that he wasn't expert at, he had people that were really good at it, like nutrition wise to, to point me in the right direction. And then, you know, now that the last couple of years that I've really tuned that in, um, especially after I missed some games a few years ago, I, and it was a, you know, a muscle injury that I felt like I could have prevented if I was doing some of these things. Um, I, uh, you know, even got more detailed than that. And since then I kind of just have stuck on that path and just trying to maybe change a few things here and there, here and there, but, uh, really just trying to, uh, stick to the plan and get back on a, in a routine, you know, when I change locations or, um, and, you know, off-season mode versus preseason or in-season mode, just kind of really trying to create a rhythm and, and sticking on that rhythm. So did you do any specialized nutritional testing or is this just stuff through their, their dietitians as far as like, oh, you should just eat cleaner and just kind of do this, avoid that. Did you have anything specialized just for you? Yeah, a little bit of both. So I did do some food sensitivity testing. Um, I'm actually going to do more of that this off-season. Um, this place uh, out here, um, I'm out in Florida and and uh for a few months and 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 training out here uh through ryan but uh there's a place out here that i I really am interested in and doing some more of the testing stuff just to see um you know again i'm getting older in my career so it's like why not uh, see where i'm at and see where i can improve at and you know one percent change could make a make a huge difference so so i'm excited about that i love i'm i'm interested in the health and wellness like you said I, i it's a really interesting um you know, I guess part of the game, um, part of life, like you said, just even just after football, uh, my wife is extremely into it and passionate about health and wellness. So um, it's kind of a fun thing. It's, it is also fun, as you know, to be on the same page as your wife, as far as that goes, because it makes things a lot easier. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was like, there's not there's not junk food, uh, too much junk food in our house. So uh, it, I'm thankful for that. Yeah. I, and I the reason I ask is because 
I do the same thing. And I don't think that's going to stop, dude. I, I think that, you know, when you're done playing, you're this, this truly is like your life and your lifestyle, which is, which makes it easier to be in season and have to make, you know, some people would think you're making tough choices, but you're really not. You're just kind of living your own lifestyle and doing what's best for you and what makes you feel good. And I think that's the beauty of those, those uh, food tests, and those sensitivity tests is you'd be amazed at like what you think is healthy, but maybe for whatever reason, your body just doesn't react to very well. And I do, I still do the, the sensitivity testing like once a year, because based on things that are kind of outside of your control, your, your microbiome and your gut is going to change. It just is. And it always changes, whether it's age or just things that you're around or pollutants or whatever. So it's going to change. And so maybe something that worked last year, maybe it's not really going to work this year. So the fact that you're getting that dialed in, I think that's, that's a lifestyle thing that I don't, I don't see the way that you're speaking about it. I don't see that changing with or without football. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think when I'm done playing football, I'm not going to be in, as intensely working out and I'll still, I'm still going to work out for sure. Um, but just, it's not going to be training. It's going to be more working out. And, uh, and then, and then on the other side of that, um, I'm not going to be um, running routes all day, every day during the season. So, so just being dialed into nutrition um, and how important that is, if you're not as intensive, um, you know, athletic workouts, I guess you could say. And, and uh, so I think that'll be important and, and just knowing your body. I mean, those tests are so great just to, like you said, just to understand what is good for your body and everybody's so different. I mean, my wife did this food sensitivity, sensitivity testing as well at the same time I did and hers looked completely different than mine and was shocking some of the results because it doesn't mean that you're going to be allergic to that food. It just means that your body doesn't process it the, the very well. And in fact, actually makes your body have to overwork to try to get rid of those toxins. So um, that was really interesting. Yeah. And that's, um, it's so true. And um, yeah, I think that you're, you're kind of on the right path with all that stuff. It's, it is so crazy when you get the results back and you're like, oh, I eat that all the time. I guess maybe that's, maybe that's why I don't feel the best, but I would say this now, you, you don't want to hear advice from an old guy, but I'm going to give it to you that um, yes, you're not going to be running routes every day. You're probably not going to be training, like you said, on a daily basis. But I, the one thing that I found with guys that transition out, and you're going to go through this when, when all of your peers and your buddies are all going to start retiring within a, a handful of years of each other, and you're all comparing stories. There are some guys that just say, I'm done. I'm done working out. I don't want to see a, I don't want to see a freaking gym or whatever. And a couple of years later, those are the guys that are kind of mentally struggling. And I think that guys eventually figure out that the mental aspect of the transition out of the NFL has a lot to do with their activity level. And I'm not saying they're pushing weights. I'm not saying they're pushing cars and doing, you know, squat, you know, doing records on squat and all, and all that stuff. It's just about challenging your brain. You know, we have that sort of in us to like overcome that part of your brain says, no, nah, fuck it. You don't want to work out today. Oh no, you don't, you don't need to push for another rep. Oh, you can slow down on this, on this, you know, on this sprint or this gasser. But that like sadistic part of that brain that like needs to push past that, you're still going to have that. And you're still yeah. going gonna to have that. You're still going to go in the off season and be like, whether you're, you become like a runner or you become a cyclist or you become a boxer or whatever, there's going to be a part of your brain that says that thrives off of that. No, fuck you. I need to get a workout in today. And you go do it and you're going to feel amazing. And you'd be thankful yeah. that you did. I, I'm, I'm interested to see that part of it, um, you know, when I am done playing. You know, I don't think too much of that right now. I'm hoping, I'm hoping I have some good years left in me. But, um, 
you know, I think for me, it's going to be mostly the activities that I've, I've cut out of my life um, that I'm ex most excited about doing when I'm done playing. And I say that in saying that I love to play basketball and I love to compete. So I can't wait to play basketball again. I haven't played basketball in years just because I'm afraid of like, you know, that stupid injury of playing at lifetime fitness or something. But, um, you know, I, I'd love to do that. Um, I, I love to snowboard and I love that for my family. I can't wait to be able to do that when I'm done playing. I haven't done that since I was in college. Um, but, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what activity I gravitate towards. Cause like you said, just the competitive spirit, you know, and just competing with yourself. Um, you know, I love to play golf and that's, you know, a lot of competing with yourself. So I'm sure I'll play a lot of golf when I'm done playing. Uh, but yeah, just staying in shape, I think is so important mentally. You know, I, we do a lot of work with our foundation with, with youth mental health. And that's a lot of stuff. When we go and talk to these kids, a lot of what my wife and I talk about for us, how we handle stress and handle anxiety, anxiety is working out, like not even training, like just going to work out and like, and just go do a yoga workout or just go do something to like, it's like, it's such a good stress reliever. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what I gravitate toward when I'm done. Yeah. It, when I, even now, if I go three or four days without getting a good sweat in or a good push with something, whether it's my Peloton or just, you know, doing weights, I get, I get squirrely, man. Like I do, I know it. My wife knows it. She's like, you need to go get a workout or go. She's like, go do something. Like <laughs> you're, you're miserable. You're grumpy and you're moody. I'm like, I know I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go like do something. I gotta go sweat something out. It's, it's a, at least for me, a hundred percent, man. And I know that these, you know, thankfully your, your foundation kind of recognize that with young kids. Cause I don't think they don't realize it and they're young, you know, I'm, I'm just now realizing it. I'm in my forties. <laughs> right. I think, I think that's why uh, uh, Minnesotans are so grumpy in the winter. Cause nobody's like, everybody's like stuck in their house. You don't really want to go work out too cold outside. You don't go for a walk, you know, and then, then you see in the summertime, like, it's like, everybody's out, everybody's walking, they got their dogs out, you know, kids are running all over the place. And, and people are just happier. So uh, there's definitely something to, that, something to that. Yeah. How about the fact that Jefferson left you off the team basketball list when he was, go he was going through like, all right, here's my starting five, the guys that I'd have on my, he left you out. I still, I like, like, he really doesn't think I can play basketball, which, which is frustrating because basketball is my sport. And I tell these guys all the time, like I'm a basketball player playing football. Like what I do on the football field is because of what I did playing basketball. Uh, but they don't, they don't understand. So I keep telling them like, Hey, just wait, wait till I retire. We'll get it. We'll get going on the, on the basketball floor and, and you'll see. So, so I'm excited about that. <laughs> but there's still, there's never been a moment where you guys have just like messed around and just played a game of horse just so they could see you shoot. Nothing like that well, at all. Honestly. Well, he's been in the, since he's been in the NFL, it's been all the COVID uh, protocols. So we haven't been able to get together outside of the building. Uh, so it's been kind of weird. Uh, and then in the off seasons, everybody's everywhere. You know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's hard to get together too much in the off season, but, uh, maybe this off season he'll, we'll get together and, and we'll train a little bit and then we'll go and shoot a little bit. So he can just, he can get a little glimpse of it, you know? Yeah. I think if he sees the glimpse of you being a shooter, he'll be like, all right, all right. He can play a little bit. You can, maybe he won't, maybe he won't disrespect you again. If they get the same question next year. I used to get that a lot when I, when I was in Mankato. And uh, so what we would do in the off seasons, we, we'd all join the, the uh, interroll basketball league, which was an absolute blast and crazy how good of talent or like how many players were actually like 
Like this is real basketball. This isn't just like pickup basketball. These guys are like legit basketball players. Like some of these guys, I'm like, they should be playing on the basketball team. Like they were legit. So uh, guys always gave me a hard time, you know, same thing. Like didn't think I could play. And I was able to show, show them there and, and uh, had some, had some fun times with that. This podcast is supported by my friends at Redmond Real Salt. You know, I discovered the salt about a year ago when I did the one-month carnivore diet challenge, which called for a pure source of mineral-rich salt, and I just became obsessed with the flavor it provided for all the steaks, the chicken, and the pork. It really was love at first bite. And then I find out that Redmond Real Salt is mined right here in the great United States from an ancient underground seabed in Redmond, Utah. Yes, you heard it here. There used to be an ocean in Utah, and I didn't know it until now. Further, it's harvested without the use of any explosives or any compromising machinery, and there are no additives added either, meaning this ancient sea salt and its 65 natural trace minerals are left in the purest form to give your body the cleanest natural salt that is essential for daily health and wellness. But that's not the only reason I love Redmond's. They also have developed an incredibly clean electrolyte mix that uses the same pure salt, natural flavors, and contains zero sugar. I start my morning every day with Relight Electrolyte Mix because I want to start my day with natural hydration before I have my morning coffee. And speaking of pick-me-ups, they also offer a pre-workout mix that carries the same purity standards and is the healthy way to get your body and mind primed for your sweat. For all these products and many other health and wellness products they offer, please check them out at redmond.life. Yep, that's simple, redmond.life. And use the promo code Lieber, L-E-B-E-R, at checkout. That's redmond.life, promo code Lieber. Now, let's get back to the show. I'm surprised that as big as Twin Cities Orthopedic Performance Center is, it's such a, such a mouthful, it's easier just to say, you know, I'm going to Winter Park. But um, as big as that, you can't put a half-court basketball court in? Like, there's, you, come on. Come on, they, they got they got to fit something like that. I know that they don't want to promote guys just during their breaks to go out and play basketball, or whatever. But just put a put a no game rule. But what it's such a fun stress reliever and such a good competitive outlet for guys that are just hanging around. Like, hey, let's just go get a a game of horse in and just like shoot around and just mess around on the court. They got to put that in. I don't want to get too controversial here, but I think if there was a different head coach uh, when that place was being built, it probably would have been more apt to have something like that. Uh, Zim was a big believer. If it wasn't football, it was, it was a distraction. And so we had nothing like literally nothing like massive TVs in the locker room, nothing on them black. So the, the whole t- I've never seen them on. Come on. Uh, yeah, no, seriously. Like in the middle of our locker room, we have this, we have this like literally, I mean, I don't even know. It's like, you know how they put all the TVs together and then he makes one big TV. Yeah. Well, it's like, I don't even know hundreds of inches wide and hundred inches tall like it's massive never been on like you could have had like 10 games like college games on there like at one time but never been on but uh but that's fine I mean you know every every coach has a different philosophy and I get I get parts of it like you're in the building you're you can you can use some of that time for studying or or taking care of your body things like that but I also see the other side of it as well of you know having fun and and keeping guys together and so uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens when, when with a new new staff, new coach, and uh, and a new GM in there. Yeah, and I'm guessing that. Well, before I go into that question, I, I will say this: there there's got to be a healthy balance, like right, and like you can't be football robots the whole time. And I think it promotes a culture of pushing you out of the building as well. It's like, well, if it's just football here, then I'm going to get my football stuff and get out of here. Whereas, like, 
you know, I had a buddy that was in Seattle, you know, this is back when they were on their big run. He's like, Pete Carroll promoted the idea that he wanted everybody to be in the building at all times, even, even when they're done watching their film and stuff. And he was like, man, I've never seen a culture like it. It's like guys actually wanted to hang out. Like they're playing ping pong and they've got pool and they've got all these other things. And there's, you know, college games on and guys are just lounging around, just hanging out and you build this camaraderie and bond, you know, like there's a way to do both. <laughs> like there's a way to balance all of it, you know? Yeah. I think there's definitely a fine line. Cause I've seen both in my career. Uh, I only had one year of coach Frazier, but, um, but I've seen both sides of it where like, a little too lenient and a little too much like all fun and no, and no seriousness. Um, I can see how that doesn't play out well. And I can see the, the, the other side. So yeah, like you said, the healthy balance, I mean, shoot, I mean, just keep, like you said, if you're done with football stuff, you've watched your film, you took care of your body. It's like, well, like nothing else for me to do here. I got to go. Like I'm, I'm going home. Like, well, that is a great opportunity for guys to stick around and get to know each other better off the field. And, um, you know, it's hard to get together out, outside of the building, even without, you know, the COVID stuff. Um, it's hard just because guys have families and guys live in different spots and guys are different areas of life. Some guys are 21, some guys are 31. You know, it's, it's just a different, uh, it's just a little harder. So the more guys can be in the building and, and being around each other, um, I think is good. Yeah. You know what, I would say that Childress in my experience was, was a good mix of both. You know, I think that's the one thing that he actually did really well is, we were serious about football and we did all of our stuff, did all of our film work and we grinded in that aspect. But, you know, there are, there are times with our breaks, you know, you just, during meetings, you get like a five minute bathroom break, whatever. Well, we put up a two nerf hoops in that locker room, as you can, you can picture, cause you were there. Um, and we would just have these little round the world games, you know, little, little nerf basketball games in between meetings. And, you know, sometimes we'd push our time from five to 15 minutes, but I don't know. It was, it was good competitive fun and a good way to kind of break everything up. Um, you know, that, that being said, I know the elephant in the room is, is it's all GM and head coach talk. Like, do you have, I don't know. I know that they're not contacting you guys and saying, Hey, we want to get input on what you guys are looking for as far as a head coach. Um, but do you have an idea of like what kind of personality that you think is best for the men, the makeup of the team right now? Yeah, it's actually been a really cool uh, process so far. Um, the owners talked to us right after um, our team meeting before everybody left and uh, talked to just a few of us um, that, you know, captains, leaders of the team and, uh, you know, asked our input. What, what, what do we think would be great for a head coach? What are, what are we missing? What, you know, in every aspect of the building, you know, what could we do better to, to take us to the next level? And I thought that was pretty cool of them. They definitely didn't need to do that. Um, but I think it was cool. I don't, and I don't know what they'll take from that conversation, but uh, just to listen and, and to talk, I thought was really, really beneficial. And I, I think they had so much, um, I don't, don't want to say fun doing it, but like they had so, they had, I think it surprised them so much by the conversation that was had that they were actually like left there and were like, Hey guys, we're going to do this again. So like hmm. keep in, in touch and, and, and we'll, we'll contact you after things settle down a little bit. And would love to well, would love to do this again because it was so beneficial. Um, but but with that being said, I think I think we just need a a good culture. You know, you talked about culture, that culture that is, you know, that family atmosphere. And every coach comes in, especially with their new coach, is like, we're gonna be a family and we're gonna do this. But it's like it's like putting putting words into actions. And I'm not saying that the the old uh, you know 
our old staff didn't do that because there were definitely aspects that they did do that. Um, but I just think having good communication, good leadership, um, good collaboration, and those are all the things that, that I heard the, you know, the Wills talk about in their press conferences, we need a good collaborator. And I'm like, man, that is so true. Like communication is obviously important, but collaboration is even better because it can't be a hierarchy or hierarchy, whatever, however you say that. And where it's like, where it's this guy makes all the decisions, you know, but then this guy makes decisions with these guys and this guy makes decisions with these guys. It's gotta be everybody working together. Mm-hmm. And when you have that, I think you, you have a lot better opportunity to have success. Is that going to make mean you're going to win a Super Bowl? No, it doesn't mean you're going to win a Super Bowl. It's tough to do that, but you're going to give yourself the best opportunity to win a Super Bowl and to get that culture that guys want to come to and want to be a part of. Um, so I'm excited about, about the direction we're heading. Um, there's still a long ways to go and a lot of work because it doesn't just happen with two people. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't just the GM's fault and the head coach's fault and they didn't get fired because they weren't really good at their job. Um, it was a team. It's a team effort. You know, players could have played better. People in the building could have done better at their job, you know? So it's, it's really just, hopefully they're looking at the big picture of everybody and holding everybody accountable and looking at where, where we're missing and, and where, what leadership needs to change to get to, to really take that next step. So did it, when Zim first got there, did it feel like it was this all of us in together mentality and, did it feel like at the time there was collabor- collaboration and communication and this kind of quote unquote family feel? Was there ever that beginning? And then it sort of like changed over time or, or was that just kind of lip service and it never really happened? Not really. Um, but that was, that also wasn't his message. You know, that wasn't his message to say, Hey, we're going to collaborate and we're going to do this. And he comes from a different coaching carousel with us, which is fine. You know, it works really well for coach Bilicek. You know, he doesn't have that atmosphere where it's coming in and out of his office and BS with them. At least I don't think so. Maybe, maybe it is, I don't know. Um, But, but I think some of the things that coach Zim did again in my press conference, because I don't want to talk all bad because it's not true. Um, You know, from, from, I said in my press conference from the year one to Zim was here, to where it is right now, our, our organization is better. Mm-hmm. It is, it is, it is better for sure. Um, so, um, you know, with that being said, there's some things that he did that he, um, the demand that he had of players, the kind of, the kind of don't talk about it, just do it. That kind of, that kind of mindset is what we needed in year one, right. because before that it wasn't, that wasn't the case. And I love coach Frazier. I have a ton of respect for him. He gave me an opportunity to be in this league but there wasn't a whole lot of um, there wasn't it, players kind of kind of ran that that a little bit. You know, guys were laying down on the field when we were practicing and and it was just it just wasn't a very um, uh, what's the word I'm like looking discipline. for. It wasn't a whole lot of control. Yeah. Um, a whole lot of uh, of. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't really know how to explain it. It was just it was almost they're just complete opposites. Right. So. Um, there's some things that he did really well, but I just think, don't think there was a whole lot of communication ever. It was just kind of like, Hey, we're not going to talk about, it. we're just got to go do it. And uh, which again, like sometimes that works really well. And, and sometimes it doesn't, you know, this actually came up today when I was on with Paul Allen, and this is just my opinion. Then you can feel free to weigh in on it as well. But so much of the way we look at the Vikings current situation, you hear a lot of people saying, well, you know, 
quote unquote old school coach who couldn't really adapt to the new school type of player, the new generation of player. And it's not just him. I mean, look, Kirk Herbstreit got in trouble for saying something very similar, saying this new generation of players is not what it, the older generation was. You know, there's kind of they're, they're lacking maybe this love of football and blah, 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 blah. And so the only thing that I'll push back on that is I don't believe that players want to be coddled. I don't believe that players want to necessarily have an everyday conversation where, hey, my coach didn't ask me how I'm doing. My coach didn't ask me how my mental health was today. My coach didn't ask me about how my family life was. I don't think guys necessarily want that either. They don't want to be coddled and felt like a baby, but they also want to be humanized. I think most players, it's like, you can push me to, you can push me past my red line physically, emotionally, mentally, but at some point in time, you got to give me a little bit of respect as a human being. And that's all you're asking. I would run through a brick wall if you just treated me like a human being. And that's it. Like, I, I don't think that this next generation of player is like so spoiled. I think they just want a little bit more of that human feel. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I think, um, I think it, it, it comes down to, you said it, respect, you know, just, just, res just respect me and give me, be hard on me, but then, but give me some love too. You know, I think, I think, again, it kind of always comes, we've talked about a lot, you know, so far in this, in this podcast is like that happy medium, like meet me in the middle, like, like have some really, really tough conversations, but also have the, you know, the loving, caring and like, and like, Hey, I got, I, I see it in you. Like I see that you can be a special player if you do this. And right now you're not doing this, you know, it's, it's having those tough conversations, but but bringing some respect to it too. And I think at the end of the day, guys just want to be felt respected. And are they always going to feel respected? No. Is, some, is, is there always, no matter what, who that coach is, there are going to be people that don't like them? Yes, absolutely. Because it's a competitive sport. We're all male and have a lot of testosterone in that locker room. And we all think we're the best thing to ever play the game. So um, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing. I would never want to be a head coach. I don't think in, or a GM or, or it's, it's, it's not an easy job because, um, at the end of the day, like you're the one that everyone looks to if things aren't going good. And I think we just need someone that can, can understand that and can, can, you know, say, Hey, I'm not gonna be perfect, but I'm going to give everything I got and, and, uh, just be a good communicator leader. You know, how much of that though, in your experience, you feel like is up to the position coach as well. You know, I know that you said, look, I, I know the head coach, the buck stops there, right? The culture sort of stops there. They get credit and criticism when it comes to that stuff. But in your experience, how much, how much can the position coach who you deal with on a more intimate level sort of be that, that, that buffer in some ways to a hard coach? So, well, well, I'll, I'll, let me touch on that quick, but, um, so yes, that for sure. Yes, you absolutely have to have that. You have to have good people around. But I also think that is what makes a really good head coach or a really good GM is they bring people around them that are really good at their job, not just their buddies who's coached with them forever or what have you. But I think that a really good leader, a really good coach brings really good people around them. So that things that they're maybe not really good at, they bring people around them that are really good at that. So there's no there's no holes, you know, and, 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 and at the end of the day, it's even me as a player, right? Like I have to understand myself. I have to understand what I'm really good at and what I'm not good at. And I need to put people around me to help me with the things I'm not really good at. 
you know, and, and, and I think that's so important and gets overlooked when you're looking for a head coach or looking for a, 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 you know, somebody who's going to run a company, you know, who's, who's a manager of a company. You got It's somebody who has to put people, really good people around them. They can be a great person and a great coach or a great leader. But if you don't have good people around you, it doesn't matter, especially on a football team. I mean, you have 60, 70 guys now with practice squads and all that and 90 guys in the off season. Like, it's not like you can really be that intimate with 90 different guys as far as having a super in-depth relationship with them. Or like you said, like asking, Hey, how are you today? Or how's your family? Or how's your mental health? Like you just, you can't do that with 90 people. You just can't. So I just think it's so much of it is going is, is, is about getting good people around you and, and really having them, you know, and, and then just leading, being a good leader there, having them be good leaders and it go just kind of trickles itself down. Yeah. So you mentioned it, uh, you know, speaking off the top of your head and then obviously it was, it's been referenced. I mean, the, the owner said it as well, this idea of collaboration. Was it that palpable within the locker room that it was like offense versus defense? I mean, was it, would it, did it seem like there's truly a divide in that way? Uh, yeah, it definitely did. Um, I think, I think that's just how it is though in the NFL. Uh, when you have an, an offensive minded head coach or you have a defensive head, head coach, I, I feel as if that's just kind of how it is. It's going to lean towards where that head coach is. And that's fine. Like it was great competition. Like we had, you know, in, in OTAs, like it was, it was intense. Cause like we want to dominate the defense and the defense wanted to dominate us. And uh, I wanted to dominate the DBs because I love rubbing that in Zim's face. <laughs> but uh, but no, I, I don't think that's that's all that bad of a thing. You know, obviously when it comes to the season time, you gotta find a way to come together and 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 we did that. I mean, shoot, I have great friends on the defense side of the ball. So it's not like it was like offense, defense, like they stick on that side of the locker room and they stick on that side of the locker room. It's just it's just more so like that the mentality is like when, you know, and it's probably super hard. So again, like I would not want to be a head coach, but when you're the defense coordinator and the offense has a really good practice and OTAs or training camp, well, the defense corner is probably like this. That was a crappy practice and pissed off. Well, it's like, we're looking around the offense like, oh, we had a great practice. What do you mean? So I think that kind of stuff is kind of an awkward thing. And I just don't really know the answer to how to change it. No, that's so funny because that's what I was going to share the same the same thing because I, I had an offensive head coach for most of the time. You know, I was with Frazier for a little bit, but it was Brad Childress and he's an offensive guy. And we'd have these practices where our defense was just lights out and we are we got guys running. Nobody's got a loaf. You know, all those little things that you're, you're looking at, those intangibles that you look at in practice, you're like, man, the defense came out and played today. And we'd huddle up at the end of practice and be like, that was a shit practice. I don't know what, you know, but, but he would just – rip us apart and, and we're like wait a minute we had a great practice like i don't know about you guys like we, i don't think that we should be punished for this like get your offense guys to play better our defense shoot we're we're kicking our feet up and saying good job man well and it's funny you say it it kind of just reminds me of something it's like i feel like i feel like when it's like that it almost like makes this like your mindset like you're in a game and you're like man if only the defense would have played better you know, like it almost like creates this like, like offense versus defense. Like if, if the defense would have played better, we won. Well, no, no, no. Like our team would have played better, we would have won. And and like really like instead of just talking about like oh we got to be complimentary, play complimentary football and offense, defense, especially if it takes that to win. It's like no, that needs to be that needs to be like in, engraved in guys. And again, I don't know the answer to the question. I don't know how to 
how to do that and how to coach that. That's why I'm not a head coach, but that's what we need. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just think it takes, all it takes is just a little recognition. This goes, and again, this goes back to, you know, what both you and I are alluding to is just give us a little bit of meeting in the middle where if the defense is kicking ass and in your, in your situation, if the offense is kicking ass and the defense has a bad day with the defensive coordinator as a head coach, all it takes is for the coordinator to say, the head coach to say, look guys, this is the, the, the offense today is the standard of what we're looking for. Like just give a little bit of a props to the offense, like offense, you played well, you kicked our ass today. That doesn't mean that we're not going to try, try to come back next, you know, next time and try to kick your ass, but like a little bit of love of like, good job, you guys, that's the expectation for this football team. And until we get all of that together as one unit, we're not going to be a competitive football team. And that's all it takes. That's yeah. it, It's like, a, just throw us a, a bone, just one bone. You know, like when we play well, tell us we play well, because we damn know that if we play bad, you're going to tell us that we play bad. Like that, that, that's 100 percent given. Well, there you go. I don't know why you're not applying, applying for the head coach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like it. Look, no, you're I, saying the same things. It's just it's to me, sometimes it's just common sense, like just treat people like give them the, the due respect that they deserve. Not to say that you can't coach them hard, you know, like you can coach yeah. them hard. You can, you can call them out in meetings. You can be, you know, you can put them on front street. Like everybody says in meetings. Oh man, he put you. Yeah. But you know, Mike Tomlin was great because he'd blast you in meetings. But then if you had a great play, the next play, you'd be like, Hey, Adam Thielen, that's clinic. That right. That's that right. There's clinic. I'm going to rewind that and show over all the other, the other receivers that that shit right there. That's what we want. So he'll tear you down one play and build you back up the very next play. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of hoping uh, uh, Coach McCardell stays around because that's the kind of guy he is. Um, he he really made me a better football player this year, um, and that's and and it's for for that reason. You know, if, if you did something really well, he expected that of you. That he he would tell you that is the standard. This is what we're looking for right here. And if you didn't meet that standard, he would let you know and say, well, "Come on, like, what are you doing? Like, we need more out of you." Uh, so I'm hoping he, I'm hoping he stays around. I'm, I'm, I'm standing on the table for him because, um, he's made it, he made us as a receiver unit, uh, uh, better football players. Yeah. I, and I have, you know, experience with Keenan as well. I mean, we were in San Diego, San Diego together as players. And I just, I think the world of him and I, I'm with you too. I think there are, you know, we know the, the nature of the NFL GMs are going to come in and bring their own scouting departments. You know, they just are. Some people get retained, you know, head coaches bring in their guys. Some people get retained, but 90% of the time it's a turnover. I'm hoping that he's in that 10% where he gets, they look at him, they look at you guys production, how well you guys played as a unit and say like, we got to keep this guy around. I mean, that's hopefully that's a familiar face that you get to see again when you guys come back for OTAs. For sure. And, and, and uh, not to get too detailed, but I kind of, had mentioned that to the owners is, is, Hey, like if, if you want Justin to be your, your uh, franchise guy, which everybody, you know, knows that he, he, he should be and could be, um, then you better keep that guy around because the relationship they have is, is so strong. And for that reason, because he coaches them hard, but he also shows them a ton of love. And when he's not doing things um, the right way, or, you know, he's, if he's ever late to a meeting or something like that, he's going to know about it. Um, and he's going to be coached hard, but, but, and, uh, you know, Justin's so gifted and he's such a great person that he takes that coaching so well and, and, and really has elevated his game and it was already elevated. So to elevate it a little bit from there is pretty impressive. You know, it's funny that you kind of mentioned that so casually that, you know, he's, 
he's the you know face of the franchise and you know one of the one of the key faces obviously with Kirk and Dalvin and stuff like that we're not going to try to get into a, a pissing contest here but it's it's interesting how casually just kind of threw that out there because you know you in that in that room you were the guy you know you and Diggs were the guys and, and then now then it was you for a long time and now it's Justin comes in like when did you when did you kind of know that like oh yeah like this is kind of the future. Like uh, I'm seeing it clearly. Like I know where I'm going with my career. I know that he's young. Like when did you have that moment of like, it's kind of Justin's deal. Um, well, I'll say this. Like, I, I think I am where I am because I'm a little delusional. So the way that I think about things is a lot different probably. Um, I, I kind of just say like, I, I don't, I don't really think about that stuff. You know, I just kind of, I think that I'm a really good football player and I think that I can do a lot of things that, that, you know, some people can't do. And, um, you know, I think what I love about Justin is he's wired the exact same way as me and that he just is who he is. And he's going to show every single day that he's better than everybody else. And he has the other thing that I love about him is he has a, confidence about him but not an arrogance um that's one thing I just I just love about the way that he approaches his game is he has so much confidence but he has never been cocky ever to me to anyone else he he plays with a lot of passion yeah but never cocky or never um I don't know it's just hard to explain it's almost something that you just have to be around to see uh he's a he's a great person and, and been fun to be around but but yeah I mean obviously I know that that he's um he can do some things that, that, you know, I can't do right now, but, but at the same time, I try to be like a little delusional. In fact, like I can do what he does. Like it, it is what it is. And, and, uh, but it's just fun to have that a little bit of competition between the two of us. And also, um, that love for one another. And I want to help him as much as possible. And that's something that I love about the game of football is I love coaching and teaching from a player's perspective. Um, and I love to help guys out in any way I possibly can. And, I always tell the guys like, Hey, if I'm telling you too much or talking too much and, or, or trying to coach you too much, like, please let me know because um, I, I, I might be doing that because I love it so much. Is that something that you find easy is to coach guys on, on what you're doing. And the, and the only, the way I'll set this up is there's a lot of elite players, which, which you are that don't know how to articulate exactly how you do something. It sometimes it's just, I, it just happens, you know, it's like, well, well, why did you do this, Adam? Like, well, I, I just felt it like, you know, it's like, well, I just kind of felt that he was going to do this. And I just thought that in my pre-snap read that this was going to happen X, Y, and Z. And one thing led to another in a split section. I, I just made that decision. I can't really tell you how it just kind of happens. Like, do you ever find do you have a hard time art articulating exactly how you're supposed to do things just because it's a feel? Um, I, I feel like God gave me a, a gift of being able to explain it to guys and to, for them to be able to comprehend something that's extremely complicated. Like you said, um, there is obviously some things that I can't, I can't explain, you know, there's just, it's a, from experience from doing it for a long time. It's just, you react and you just do it. Um, and it's not like I was even, I didn't even have that plan to do that. It's just how I reacted from so much, some, so many repetitions of doing it. Um, but there's a lot of things that I can articulate and, and explain in, in a different way. So, um, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's super fun. I love doing it. Um, and the guys laugh sometimes because of how I talk about routes. 
Um, and if you ask Diggs ever of, of our relationship and how we talked about routes, we definitely had like a different language of how we talked about how we get into <laughs> breaks and things like that. And, and uh, guys laugh at me all the time, but, but I think it's a way that guys can understand it and see it and hear it. And, uh, and, uh, and then can kind of use that to have a plan for themselves. Are you someone who deals with chronic soreness? Maybe it's sore and achy joints from an old injury, or you're an active person who pushes their bodies, or maybe it's age-related arthritis. Whatever the cause, I have the solution for you. It's called IASO, I-A-S-O, and it's a revolutionary therapy device that uses 100-year-old scientifically proven cold laser technology. This South Korean wonder device is the only cold laser device that can be used at home and hands-free. Most of the time, you have to go to some sort of hospital or clinic to get this type of treatment because of the size of the machine. But Iaso has engineered this potent light therapy into a device that fits into the palm of your hand. I use my devices all the time on my arthritic knee and my bulging disc in my neck with relieving results. And guess what? It's all done pain-free. Go to wellscare.net or bestbuy.com. That's wellscare.net or bestbuy.com to purchase and start enjoying your life pain-free with Iaso. Yeah, this is something that I wanted to ask you for a long time because this, this is becoming much more apparent with every single game. What is it about your skill set and your mind and all this other stuff and your abilities that make you such the trusted go-to target in the red zone? You know, it's it's unbelievable how they get the team the last couple of years will get down the red zone. And there are guys that are taller. There are there are maybe some matchup situations when it comes to height that are just like, okay, we should probably look to that guy. But you're consistently winning in the in the red zone. Like, can you explain where that trust comes from or what you bring to the table once you guys get inside the 20? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um I think it comes down to at the end of the day, like my mindset is every single day in practice that, that if that this, this play matters just like as much as the game. So when I go into practice, I think, okay, if I'm running this route, I need to win and I need to catch this because then it gives quarterback confidence for when it is a game time that he can trust that I'm going to be in this spot at this time and that I'm going to win. So I think I put so much stress on myself throughout the week of practice, throughout training camp, um, throughout OTAs to, to, to win every single time that when it comes to a game, it's the quarterback is like, well, he, he can get open and he's going to be where I want him to be. And the coordinator is going to give me opportunities. You know, I think it's kind of funny sometimes when they talk, Oh, you're such a red, red zone threat. Well, I think it's like, at the end of the day, like they're giving me opportunity that's all, that's all it comes down to. Like the NFL is a game of opportunity. They gave me an opportunity. They're calling a play for me. They're, they're putting me in that position to give me an opportunity to score. And so, you know, I think if Justin was in those, he'd be scoring just as many touchdowns or maybe more. And I think it's just, it's just opportunity. And, and uh, you have to prove in practice and OTAs and training, you have to prove that you are, you are, um, that you deserve that opportunity. And so I always stress on myself that it's not about the games and, and connecting other opportunities in the game. It's all about the, the, the preparation. Um, so you, so you can get those opportunities. Cause at the end of the day, if you don't, if you don't prove it every single day, the coach is like, I'm not going to put him there. I'll put someone else there. And, uh, and, and the quarterback's like, I'm not going to throw it to him, even though maybe that's my read. I'm not going to throw it to him. I don't, I don't know if he's going to be there. 
So I always stress that to the young guys is like, hey, like, I know you can make plays in a game, but you have to prove it today. And so that's kind of that's kind of my mindset. I don't know if that answered your question. No, you know what I took away from that is that nobody else approaches practice the way you do. (laughs) You know, and maybe and maybe you, you elevate, but you just basically outed. Let's see, you outed Kyle. You outed Irv, you outed JJ, uh, KJ. They they all just they just kind of coast through practice. Like they <laughs> the co- coaches and Kirk are like, oh, those guys they just kind of coast through practice. They're just kind of going through the motions. Adam's the guy that actually like shows up and wants to practice. And no, I and, and you know you know I'm being sarcastic. No, no, that has nothing to do with it. No, uh, honestly, you know what's crazy is 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 I've never seen people practice the way that that guys that did this year, it was, it was, it was cool. And I think that was as, as far as receiver group, you know, just talking from my group. Um, I think that was, that was coach McCardell, just his mindset. I mean, he played 17 years in the NFL. Um, there's a reason why he did that and had so much success for so long. And, and I think that was pretty cool to see just the way guys approach practice. We had, we had fun, we were competing and you know, that that's leadership when you can get guys to, to treat that practice like a game. And, it, and then it turns over to the game. I and mean, look at KJ. He had, what, seven touchdowns this year? And not a lot of opportunity. So that's pretty impressive. JJ had 10. You know, I had 10. Um, um, Amir, you know, he played, what, three, four games, and he had two. You know, like, like guys were scoring. And uh, I think that's just from the way that guys practice. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that get, that gets everybody so excited. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm making this part up. But I have a feeling that, this team has to be the top premier destination for any GM and a head coach because of those things that you're just saying, the names that you just named off um, and you get Irv back for next year. Dude, if everything stays intact and you just get a little healthier and obviously there's going to be some pieces here and there that people add and a new GM is going to add all that stuff to, to kind of put his spin on things and just kind of fill some holes just like every year. But you guys are kind of like cocked and ready to go like guns loaded. Just pull the trigger. Like, like yeah. you've got, you've got all the weapons. Like, don't, you don't have to change much. And I think, I don't know if you said that or who's something like, it's just a small change. We don't need like big sweeping changes, you know, maybe on the whole team. It's just make a small change here and there and let's go. Yeah. I think that's what's so exciting for us. And I think which, which was so exciting to, to be able to talk with the owners and see where their mindset was, because you never know, like at the end of the day, like they could feel that, you know, we got to blow this thing up and we got to get, uh, we got to, you know, get the salary cap to where, where it needs to be. And we got to um, get rid of some of the older players and we need to bring in new leadership and, and then let them pick their players. And they, they could do that, but that wasn't the Wills mindset. They knew, they knew, um, and they said it, you know, and, and they, they told us, you know, it's like, we know we're not far away. We, we just think with, you know, a little bit of new, fresh and, and good leadership um, and, and just a, a whole, a whole, um, what do you call like kind of a, just a, a whole look at the entire big picture of getting good people and, and all these leadership positions and, and bringing in players that, that can help where we're, we're deficient right now. Um, we're not far away. So I think, like you said, like we told the owners, like, and they, they obviously agreed. It's like, we should be a destination. We should be a place that a coach wants to get the job. Not like, you know, Oh, well, well, you're the only coach that's left and, and, you know, come here. But I think it's a, a place and a situation that, that I would be if I was a head coach or a GM. I mean, are you kidding me? I get to come to that situation. 
um that's amazing like that's that does, that doesn't happen most of the time it's like this place that can barely win um doesn't have any leadership doesn't have any um you know leadership in the locker room it has bad character guys in the locker room well, that's not that's not our team like that's normally what happens when coaches get fired um and that's credit to zim and rick right like they brought in really good people they got they brought in really good players and really good people off the field and and talent and and they got us to a place where we're not far away. So uh, excited about that. You know, you said, you mentioned earlier about, uh, you kind of alluded to the fact that you're kind of hoping this new, the new regime that comes in kind of creates a culture that people want to come to. Now on the other side of that, did you ever get a sense that there were free agents that because of reputation and things that maybe they'd heard that didn't want to come to Minnesota? Well, I think there was two sides of it because I think there was a lot of people that wanted to come to Minnesota because of the culture we were, we were making uh, or that we were creating. Um, you know, a guy like Patrick Pearson, I think he wanted to be here. He wanted to come here. There was, he probably had a ton of other opportunities, other places, but he wanted to come here because of, of you know, Zim's pedigree, his defense, his, his work with cornerbacks. Um, so I think there was, there was two sides of it. Like there is probably always every head coach, mm-hmm. right? Um, but, um, but yeah, I'm sure there was situations where guys were like, ah, I don't want to go that's that's probably not a good fit for me um but uh but yeah i mean i i would feel like it's a pretty attractive place to come to as a as a player or a staff just because of of the culture that those guys put in place and and how far how close we really are and i know we say that every year it's like oh, we're so close and and this is the year but i i just uh, i mean it's it really is true i mean i see it every single day i get to be in the locker room with these guys every day there's there's a lot of talent there's a lot of really good really good people and and guys that care love the game of football that are doing the little things outside of um being in the building when we go to 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 the off season it's like guys don't have to train like there's nobody in no there's nobody like checking your class like to see if you're there like in college you know it's it's there's a lot of guys in this team that just want to be great and and train and then it's so cool for me to see the guys that that I see training and doing the little things and then they have success. Like you look like a, at a guy like KJ, obviously, obviously Justin, that guy works his tail off and he loves the game of football, but you look at a guy like KJ and, and the way that he trains and cares about the game. And, and then from him to go to year one to year two and have the success he had, it's like, why do you think you had that success? Because not, yeah, you're a good, you're a phenomenal football player and you're a great athlete, but man, you worked your tail off and you deserve that. And you, and you, um, created that opportunity for yourself and, and made the most of it. You know, I, isn't that fascinating how a guy like KJ, and I don't know KJ well, but I've been around him enough that he seems like a very, very humble guy. Like he knows he's got a good head on his shoulders. I think that he, when he came out of college, he's probably like a lot of guys like, oh yeah, I, I work hard. I do the things like I care about football. I love football. It's a passion of mine. I'm going to do everything I can, but they don't realize for a while and some guys figured out and some guys don't he thankfully figured out after year one but there's more there's way more to it you know there's when you say that you you grind and you love the game you don't realize what the grind really is to put yourself over the top to have the year that he that he had you know like and and i think your situation is unique because you kind of always had that chip on your shoulder but sometimes you gotta you gotta be hit in the mouth and you gotta be humbled in a different way to be like oh shit this grind is a lot harder than I thought. Like I got to dig a lot deeper than I thought I was going. And 
you got to keep kind of keep pushing the boundaries and keep stretching, keep stretching, keep stretching. And then you get to a point like, oh, this is what they mean when they say be a pro. Oh, I get it. I get it now. Like, isn't it kind of fun to kind of see that from your perspective now? Oh, I love, I love, I love seeing when the, what do they say? The, the light switch turns on or the light, you know, the light switch changes. I think it's, I think it's cool to see when that light turns on for guys, it's, you can see it. Like it's, it's, it really is noticeable when you, when, when they figure it out. And that's why it's just crazy to me um, how Justin was able to just come in and, and just dominate the way he has his first two years, because it's like, man, usually, usually it takes a little bit of time, like you said, just to, to figure it out and understand it. But, he came in like he was a, he was an old vet. <laughs> and, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with his, his brothers and the people that are around him um, because they, I think they kept him humble and kept him understanding that, Hey, like you're not just going to go in there and dominate if you don't, if you don't do the little things. And I think he's got really good people around him that, that helped him in that area, but uh, it's been fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't have a better, you couldn't have a better um, billboard and advertisement for LSU football as far as a receiver goes. I mean, look, look at him and Jamar. I mean, are you kidding me? Like two guys that come out a year, a year in their, after college and just have the seasons that they had, like, holy cow, if I'm, if I'm a young wide receiver or some, you know, obviously five star, they're only going to take five stars down there, but I don't know. Justin wasn't a five star, but you know, like uh, I'm going to go down there because they know how to play football down there. And I get that they coaching staff change and all that stuff, but you get my point. Like guys are just, some programs just know how to coach those guys up and they are NFL ready. Yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty cool um, to see that. Um, and then and then on the other side of like coaching sets that aren't able to coach their guys and they come in here and they have no clue. It's like say, like, man, like, w- what are you doing? Like, do you really only care about your job and um, your success or whatever? Like you, you can tell the coaches in college that really, truly care about the success of their players and their their life and their well-being because at the end of the day like football is all about life you know like if you don't work hard in life if you don't do the little things in life you're not going to have the success you want and um it's really cool to see that these college coaches high school coaches um you know it's really cool to see when they really care about their players and they really teach them what it takes to be a pro or to have success in the business world like it, it and you can noticeably tell uh, where guys come from as far as programs of, 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 you know, how they're being taught. Yeah, that was, and not to, not to crap on Texas, but that was my experience with guys coming out of Texas. And that was not just, that's not me making it up. You know, my, you know, I had great conversations with uh, Quentin Jammer, who was um, our first round draft pick in San Diego, my, my year that I was drafted. And, you know, he and I had a lot of conversations because he didn't realize, you know, what, what the NFL grind and lifestyle was, you know, cause they didn't, you know, during training camp, he said they would be home by like six o'clock at night. And I'm like, are you nuts? Hmm. Like, dude, we weren't getting out of meetings till 930. You know, we weren't getting back to our room after snack until after 10, you know, and he's like, man, that's not the way it was at Texas. I'm like, what's well, probably why you guys failed to live up to expectations all the time, you know? Yeah, it's crazy. It, it is. It is interesting looking at that stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's just it's cool to see because the longer you're in, you kind of see like, oh, well, you know, this is what it, this is what actually is leading to success. So that's why I think it's so cool that, you know, I hate to keep going back to it, but it's so cool that the Wills were able to sit down with some of the guys that have been playing for a long time, you know, and you got a guy like Patrick Pearson who's 10 years in the NFL and Harrison Smith, who's been in it for 10, 11 years, you know, it's like, 
Kirk and, and just these guys that have so much experience is like, yeah, they might not have all the answers, right? I get it. But at the same time, they've seen a lot, whether it be good, bad, indifferent. So it's like, why, why wouldn't you ask these guys that have seen the really good and what is actually helping to have success? And why wouldn't you ask them their opinions? And you don't have to do exactly what they say, but just to hear that's got to help uh, with making some of those big decisions. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. So X number of years down the road, you finally retire from the NFL. And I've heard, a, I've heard a few things so far that, that you've been talking about. So let me guess you, you choose, you are, you become a, uh, you and you and Ryan expand ETS and you become, you know, business owner slash uh, trainer, you know, guy, guy that can kind of help young guys in the, in the weight room and health and wellness wise, uh, a coach sounds like you really like to coach as well uh, or pro golfer. Which of those, th- which of those three do we see? We cut, we cut to Adam Thielen in, uh, in 10 years from now, is he a coach business owner at ETS or some version of ETS or a professional golfer? <laughs> I'm not going to answer this the right way, but, um, I'm going to be very involved in ETS and I'm also going to be a professional golfer. <laughs> <laughs> I will not be a coach. I will not be a coach, but, um, but I lo- I will love to be around youth athletes and helping them in a, a lot of different ways. Uh, but I do want to, I do want to play as much competitive golf as I possibly can. So I don't know what that's going to look like, but I do want to play. So what, but what if, um, what if, what if Asher's football team needs a coach and we're talking high school or middle school is, is dad out there putting the headset on and calling plays? No chance. No chance. No. Even at that level. No, especially if my son's playing, I want to, I want to be so far removed from, from um, coaching my kids. I just want to watch and, um, and watch and just see how they handle things and have someone else coach them. Oh man. Uh, you know what? More power to you. I took that same approach. Um, but I find it really difficult sometimes when I'm watching my coach or my kid get coached by somebody that I'm like, ah, I don't know if I would have approached it that way or, mm, boy, I just really, I, I need to be on the other side of this fence because I don't like this barrier. Cause I, I really want to like touch and feel and influence in a different way. If you can do it, more power to you because I didn't think I was going to be a coach of my kids. And here I am their baseball coach, flag football coach <laughs> out there trying to do as much as I can. Yeah, I get that. I get that for sure. I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be extremely hard for me. Uh, but at the same time, I just, I just want my kids to like have to figure it out. You know, like I don't, I don't want them to have like the perfect coaching or like the perfect this or that. Like I, I kind of want them to like, have some challenge and like have to figure it out. But I, I get where you're coming from. Like, as far as like technique, like you're getting taught the wrong technique or that stuff. Like, yeah, that would probably drive me nuts. Or even like his teammates, right? Like this, you're, you're teaching this kid, really, you're going to teach him that, like, that's going to set him up for failure. Like that would probably be driving me nuts. So that's what I say. Like, I want to be as far removed as possible. Like <laughs> so far away that I don't really see it. Uh, just so I can't get, can't get worked up, but. Uh, it's going to be tough. I'm telling you, you're a competitive guy with a lot of knowledge. It's going to be tough. And I'm with you. I want my kids to struggle. You know, look, my daughter's in competitive volleyball right now. And she comes home with some of these stories. And I'm like, I'm like, look, 
you know, you've got to overcome that. Like, I, so, sorry, like it's, you guys got yelled at today for this, that, and the other. Like, if it was you, then you got to fix it. If it wasn't you, then don't worry about it. You keep doing it. Like, it's all those little things. And I'm like, it's, you, you are going to get your feelings hurt. It's okay. You know, <laughs> it's, it's okay to, to feel a little down after a practice or after a game. Right? That's, that's hopefully what's going to keep you driving to get better the next day. So it's, it's interesting, man. I, I love, um, it's a part of, it's a part of parenting. I didn't realize I was going to enjoy so much. For sure. I, I, Asher starts uh, flag football on Saturday and Hudson uh, starts uh, T-ball on Saturday. So I'm excited to, to uh, see them compete and, and uh, they're so excited about it. Like to start, it's, it's kind of fun to see. Yeah, that is, that's fantastic, man. Well, listen, um, thanks for your time, man. Um, this was great. You're always fantastic. Uh, I'm glad to hear everything's going well with the ankle. Um, sounds like you're going to be out on the golf course before you know it. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> I've already been out putting, so I've got to take my son over there and go chip and putt a little bit because that's all I'm cleared to do. So, <laughs> Well, you know what's funny is like I saw you and I, I follow you on Instagram and all your social stuff, and I saw you, you know, soon after surgery, you had the little knee cart, the little foot cart thing, and I just – I laughed because I had to, I had a surgery in my foot once and I had one of those carts and I actually enjoyed it. Like, it's funny, like how much I enjoyed those stupid carts, but I just like, it just brought me back to a time when, um, you know, you're just kind of having fun with your situation and it seemed like you were doing the same thing. Yeah. I, I actually, it's same thing. Cause I'm like a little kid. And, uh, so I had fun, like when I was in the building, like just flying around all oh, the yeah. things over the place and, I enjoyed that part of it. I did not enjoy being in the house because I literally could not help out. And so there's like screaming kids and like kids are throwing stuff at him, like getting in a fight. And like, I can't do anything about it. And so my wife's like, what are you doing? Like, you're not helping. You're making it worse. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so like, it was a little intense there, but, uh, and I feel terrible for her. Cause she's like, you know, having to do everything, like take care of me and take care of my kids. And like, thankfully she's, amazing and and takes care of me a lot because i am a little kid but uh um but yeah it was it was a little intense at the house but uh it was it was fun to uh, be a little kid again and just kind of scooter around oh i know i did the same like we were we would go to the mall and we'd get out of the parking lot and i would just zoom i just take off I'm like see ya and i just yeah. like take off you know obviously i'd wait for him at the very end but like did you ever take that thing up and down an escalator no now that's unnerving. It's super fun. It's kind of scary, but hopefully you won't have to be on that scooter again. But um, yeah, I, I was like you. I, that's why it brought such a smile to my my face because I tried to have as much fun with it as, as possible. I even decked out the uh, the spokes. I put aluminum foil on there so I could like oh, bling, I could bling it out. <laughs> I couldn't put spinners on it, but I if I could, I would have. Um, I don't know your, your child, your childlike and kid-like attitude. That's uh, it's infectious. And I love it. Oh, I love it. Yeah. It's, it's fun. The, the, the receivers always give me a hard time because I'm like the biggest child in that room and, and I'm the oldest. So, uh, and my I was surprised JJ, JJ said that in one of our shows during the week, he's like, we asked him like, who's, who's kind of the, the sneaky, funny guy in the team. And he, and he like just big smile on his face. He's like, Oh, 18, 19, man. I'm like what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, man, you guys don't realize how funny that guy is. Like, yeah, I guess we didn't. You're kind of the class clown. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's bad. I especially give me a couple of cups of coffee and I just start rolling. It's it's bad. I think he means that I'm funny because of the way I act. 
not because I like have jokes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not a jokester. I'm just like, you know, having fun and, and joking around and, and doing all that. But anyways. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we all get a little squirrely with some, uh, with some coffee in this, but um, anyway, I'm rambling on. I know you got to go. Uh, I appreciate it, man. I'm all the best to you this off season. Enjoy it. Get time away with your family, get the refresh, get healthy. And I can't wait for next season for you. Sounds good. I appreciate it as always. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you. Well, that is going to do it. I want to thank Adam so, so much for taking the time. Obviously, it's great to hear his candor, his honesty, his openness about everything. And also, God, I'm so glad that his his ankle's doing well. Sound like it was a pretty easy surgery, but nonetheless, he had to go under the knife, and he's doing much better. He's going to be back on the golf course and running routes before we know it. I'd be excited to see what he can do in 2022 for the Minnesota Vikings. I want to thank my sponsors, Redmond Real Salt. Thank you guys so much. Not just your everyday salt. Like I said, I love their electrolyte mix. I use it every day, every morning to start my day with the proper hydration, along with their pre-workout mix as well. It'll get your mind right. Trust me. Go to redmond.life and use that promo code LIBER, L-E-B-E-R, at checkout. I also want to thank wellscare.net and their EOSO device. It's the world's only at-home, hands-free, cold laser therapy device. I'm telling you, for all your bumps, bruises, sprains, all that stuff that happens when you're a weekend warrior now, uh, please use the Yasso device to quickly recover and get back on those mean streets. I also want to thank you guys as the listeners. Man, this has been awesome. Been a fun ride. You guys are outstanding. Thank you guys for supporting this podcast, and thank you guys for uh, promoting this podcast as well. Keep doing that on Apple, iHeart, and Spotify. And I also want to last but not least want to thank Dave Yeager. He's my audio guy for putting all this stuff together. And that is going to do it for us here. And I'll talk to you guys next week. See ya.